When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Pod Yourself Yourself a Gun. A Sopranos podcast where Vince and I go through every single episode of The Sopranos and talk about it. We get into every, you know, we talk about the themes. We talk about the art. We talk about the music. We talk about uh, the scripting. We do, we're just really good. Color theory. Freudian analysis. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we are uh, the world's only Sopranos podcast that exists. And we thank you so much for listening to it. Um, very excited about our guest today. Uh, you might know him from the Male Gaze podcast or Dark Weeb podcast. Our guest is Brody Reed. What's How up, you guys? doing? <laughs> Congrats on being the only Sopranos podcast. Yeah, you, oh, thank you. It uh, feels congrats good, to man. you for being a guest on the only Sopranos oh, podcast. Oh, man. Thank ever. you so much. I was yeah. hoping that you guys would mention that. <laughs> Dude, it's a big deal because, you know, we got, we. I mean, we've had so many <laughs> listeners. Speaking of which, um, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, we would love it if you would go to the iTunes store and give us five stars and leave a review. Because like mm-hmm. I said, every time I do this podcast, it helps with the algorithm. People got to know. So if you if you do that, then it helps us. Um, <laughs> and then we get to eat. So that's kind of nice. Uh, so Brody, you yeah. are uh, a comedian in uh, uh-huh. Los Angeles. Allegedly, for sure. Uh- Allegedly, at at one point we were all once comedians. Yeah, <laughs> live on stage before uh, we decided to do podcasting only because coronavirus has ravaged. We all got the... we all got pivoted to video. Yeah, we all got pivoted, dude. Um, so we you're you're also one of the guests that we have that has not seen every single episode of The Sopranos. Is that right? No, that is absolutely true. I started. Um, the show during the beginning of the pandemic. Oh. And then I got uh, exactly as far as maybe like three episodes after this episode. Ah. <laughs> like, like I like warned you when you asked me to do it. I was like, oh, I've only seen like this many seasons and then you mm-hmm. showed me this episode. And I was just like, oh, this one's fresh in my mind. So this is actually one that I like. So. This worked out perfectly. Yeah. Uh, well, so far what I can tell from this show is that it's very wacky, uh, way <laughs> wackier than I thought it would be. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like a Twin Peaks level of wacky. It's, yep. It just seems like this show is like, like 25% like car crashes and 25% dream sequences. And then the rest is just like, uh tony like sneaking meat <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh strap in there's gonna be way more dream sequences further along down further on oh, down I the bet. line 
Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot more dream sequences and a lot more meat-based dream sequences. So <laughs> shit's shit's gonna get real. You just gotta stick with it. Look, his front business is a pork store. What are you gonna do? Yes. Well, hey, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna um, do? Hey, Gabagoo. Hey, forget about. Uh, before we get into the episode, uh, I would be remiss if we did not play the Sopranos "Pod Yourself a Gun" theme song. Uh oh. Pod. 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 Podcast. Pod. 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 Podcast. Oh, who did that? <laughs> oh, that was me, dude. Uh, I've oh, been well. um, I've been learning how to audio edit ever since we started this podcast, dude. I didn't know you were a musician. Yeah, yeah, no, I do a lot of remixes. You know, um, yeah, it's pretty sick. It's a it's a sick. Li- I'm thinking of starting a SoundCloud. Yeah, man, be like yeah. Girl Talk, dude. Freaking Girl Talk. That is one of my biggest inspirations. It's like, what yeah, if you same. put one thing. And put another thing next to it and see if they make sense. (laughs) And then then usually they don't, but it's okay because it's art. (laughs) This is the second Um, uh, Pod Yourself a Gun episode in a row to mention Girl Talk. So we're off to a good start already. Yeah, well, that's... Big cultural influence. Uh Big cultural, especially on this podcast. Um, But yeah, so today we are talking about from season three, episode two, Proshai... Livushka. Livushka. Thank you so much. Uh which uh which means what is it? Like thanks. Bye. Oh, uh, bye little bye a, little Livia. It's a special goodbye. It's mm. uh it's it's a very specific kind of goodbye that's it's called the forever goodbye. There's actually mm. not a literal English translation to it. It's basically like you only really say it uh to dead people. Or. It's like uh, it's like the bye Felicia of death for the Polish. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, God saying bye Felicia. <laughs> or I guess, well, you go to meet God, so maybe it'd be yeah, like he would like, be saying hi, like a hello. hi Felicia. Yeah, yeah. Either way, Felicia's dead, and that's what this episode um, is about. Um, so this episode premiered on March 4th, 2001. Which leads us to, uh, at least be specifically to a correction from last week's episode. There's no correction. What are you talking about? I have to correct because I definitely, I definitely misunderstood what you were saying. Yeah. Okay. I thought you were saying that the first episode of season three was a two-parter in that they took that 60-minute episode and split it into two 30-minute pieces. Yeah. No one said that. I definitely said that because I've had multiple people now email me correcting, going like, dude, what are you talking about? That's not how it went. And I was like, I don't know, dude. I was confused. Apparently, this episode, uh, uh, episode one and episode two aired on the exact same day. Yeah. I don't know why they're calling that a two-parter. Well, because it, not- it was back to back. It was, a, yeah. it was two episodes back to back. So that's basically. That's, I mean, not what a t- that's not what a two-parter means. I mean, kind of, yeah, kind of is. Nah, two-parter means like 
the it's like part one and part two yeah, i think that's I, what they were it's just now we're calling them two separate episodes for whatever reason but but uh, they were completely unrelated other than both being episodes of the sopranos oh they were they were yeah, not related i guess not so really I, yeah well i mean last episode definitely felt uh like there was it felt like a bridge episode we'll say that and then this one yeah definitely feels like a uh full standalone episode yeah completely completely like the it, the episode before it felt more experimental they were doing like the uh to mention girl talk again they were mashing up you know uh that i'll be watching you police song whatever it's called every breath oh, you take mm-hmm. is that and, the one yeah yeah that was and the, such a weird <laughs> it was yeah what a weird sequence not a great they mashup just, they decided to make an entire episode for some reason uh with that uh mashup being the basis for the episode and not great but this one uh, pretty I, fantastic. I think this might be my favorite all-time Sopranos episode. Do, do we want to do? Wow. Uh, do we want to do a quick wayback machine? I mean, sure. I mean, it's the same. Like again, it premiered on the same night as last week's episode, so we we really already did the uh, wayback machine for this one. But here's here's um, what I think we should do. Okay. okay I think we should okay. play the bumper. Okay. Sure. Well, you and then and then do a quick wayback machine. What? What? Remember, remember when it's the lowest form of conversation. Um, so I mean, <laughs> because that bumper begins with uh, "WAP" three times, I, I feel like I consider it a microaggression every time you make me play it. But uh, it's absolutely it's Cardi it, B. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just they're just saying wet ass pussy. Yeah, yeah. Well, wet macaroni in a pot. Uh, top movies were the Mexican Hannibal C Spot <laughs> Run. Uh, this is March fourth, two thousand one. Once again, um, yeah. Top songs were Stutter by Joe featuring Mystical. Uh, mm. Top alternative song was Drive by Incubus. Hell yeah. Some headlines. Fighting outside Kosovo raises fears in the Balkans. Uh, IRA detonated a bomb in front of the BBC Television Center in London, injuring 11 yeah. people. Yeah, all that good stuff. All that all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. But honestly, if I'm being real, I just wanted you to play the bumper sure. because, uh, you know, yeah. I think we should never miss a that chance. Was a slow news week. You guys remember slow news? slow news yeah i i don't i don't even remember the concept <laughs> i remember <laughs> oh god i remember I there was this days dude that was the sickest when it was just like nothing's happening and then they would just like talk about a dog and you'd be like oh that dog's running for mayor <laughs> oh wow <laughs> yeah it's, Boy, it's like that squirrel sure can water ski yeah this is like a timeline in which like every dog that runs for mayor wins and we have to live in this reality <laughs> yeah. where we have a bunch of dog mayors and we're like we did not this was just supposed to be a slow news day yeah this they didn't is... do anything about police brutality at all <laughs> yeah no they, they they just keep <laughs> they just keep electing dogs over and over again and dogs are also racist yeah they're too close to the police you know the exactly canine lobby yeah that's true. It's it's like one of the three jobs you can have as a dog is either you're either a snitch, uh, a you're, narc, you're or, a cop, troop, or a or a firefighter. Oh yeah, I mean, but even then, it's limited to Dalmatians, which is kind of screwed up. And then you, but you do have like the the what do you call it? Comfort dogs. This kind of like the yeah. the the prostitute. It's like the, the hoe of dog of dog careers. Yeah, they're dog sex, sex workers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> More like sex waggers. Am I right? There we go. Hey, yeah, yeah. you got it. Yeah. You, you you get out of this podcast. He landed works. it. Mm. 
All right, so let's get into it. Uh, season three, episode two. Um, uh, Vince, what's a quick synopsis? Tony's concerns that his mother will rat him out to the feds expire when she literally does. Later, Jen, I feel like you wrote Later. this synopsis. Uh, I, I, I didn't. <laughs> it feels like something Matt would have written. Later, Janice arrives to arrange the funeral, which takes a bizarre turn. Okay. Uh, d- again, this is the second episode in a row, by the way, where the synopsis is being cheeky, and uh-huh. I'm fucking sick of it. Like, yeah, I really... I don't need it. I feel like the f- first two seasons, they had someone who, like you know actually didn't give a fuck about the show writing them and now it's like someone it feels like me doing it it's very annoying yeah. it's not even it doesn't even take that bizarre of a turn for being yeah it's, yeah just uh, expires <laughs> <laughs> god um all right then he reaches for milk in the fridge and then he gets a call about his mom turns out very much like the milk <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's gone sour yeah uh so um some alternate titles, uh, real quick. Uh, the only one that I wrote is Livia, more like Die Ia. Nice. Uh-huh. Uh huh. My yeah. my alternate my titles best. were uh, Uncle Ben, um, mm-hmm. uh, for sale, used baby book, never filled. That's that's the, my favorite. That's the old Hemingway uh, six word mm-hmm. memoir format. Um, what are you gonna do? And uh, at least mm-hmm. she didn't suffer. At least she didn't suffer. At least she didn't suffer. I think that uh, that's absolutely the alternate title of this episode. Um, so real quick, some Bada B stories, just so you know what's going on. Um, Bada B stories. Tony suffers the loss of his mother. Noah suffers from Tony's racism. Meadow hey. suffers from Noah's anger. AJ <laughs> suffers from Robert Frost. Janice suffers with reality. Carmela suffers from Janice's delusion. Everyone suffered for years under the yoke of Livia Soprano. And at least Livia didn't suffer. Those are all of the through points of the episode. Just kind of put together in this really creative way. Um, yeah. You can tell why people listen to this podcast, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> so this episode starts out with, uh, you know, Meadow is home from college watching a movie. And uh, and she's there with one of this episode's th- at least three new characters introduced. Uh, ben mm-hmm. Tannenbaum. Which, who is... Noah. Uh, Noah Tannenbaum. Noah Tannenbaum. Why did I write... Oh, because he called Uncle Ben. Uh, Noah Tannenbaum, uh, who is like an obnoxious uh, film student uh, from Columbia. And uh, just Uh, a great... Even even if the character ended here, which he doesn't, uh, (laughs) would be a great single-serving character. Yeah. uh, Once again, like The Sopranos is, for some reason, really good at writing... uh, both middle school kids and uh, college age kids, it's like they're good pretentious college kids. It really excels at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just came on the screen and he started saying a bunch of words, and I wanted to punch him. <laughs> uh, we actually, I, like, I wouldn't like this kid at all. <laughs> we actually have a clip of that if uh, if we want to get into it. Yes, please. Okay. I'll be ready to bolt in a sack, Mr. Soprano. Hey, I'm Noah Tannenbaum. How you doing? Appreciate you letting us screen here. Those Bose Direct reflectors make all the difference. You a film buff? People say Hawks invented the genre with Scarface, but Cagney was modernity. Muni was not, so I give the nod to William Wellman. No, I'm just gonna grab the bare naked lady CD and then let's hit the road. I think Noah represents uh, like the exact type of criticism we didn't want to do on this podcast. 
where yes. you're just kind of like name checking uh, different. I don't even know what he's saying when he says uh, Wellman yeah. got the nod or Muni. Got, what did he say? Muni got the nod. I don't even know what that I, means. This is one of the few episodes where I didn't have the for some reason did not have the captions on. And when I was like, oh, I should turn those on so I could understand what he's saying. And I was like, actually, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I, I did it. Because- I still didn't get it. Yeah, because that's the point. The point is, is he is he's trying to nerd out with Tony on some real esoteric film buff bullshit. Yeah, probably think, like black think, and white movies. Like yeah. About. Yeah. And just talking about who invented moder- modernity. I was just <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? And and just uh, you see Tony's Tony's reaction to him at first. And you at first, my initial impression was like, Oh, he's as annoyed about this kid's uh, kid being a nerd as I am, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you you don't realize uh, that instead he's just so racist that even even this kid who I would consider like to me I was just like oh he's uh, just some Jewish kid, and it's weird <laughs> that Tony. <laughs> That Tony is just like he's following the one drop rule very, very seriously, and, <laughs> and it's just it's it's an insane level of racism. I do like. Do you think he would be as upset if Noah was just Jewish? Uh that's a good question. Maybe. I, I don't know. yeah, I don't, I don't, to- I don't think so. I, I think he would. Um, he he might be upset uh, a little bit because like we're Catholic and and hope it doesn't turn into marriage or something. But I think that uh, this has everything to do with the fact that he's black and like that to him is the only thing that matters. I, I think if he was Jewish, he probably would have said some racist shit to him, yeah, but it wouldn't he have mentioned had... a different bread instead right. of different bread. <laughs> 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 he would have talked about challah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it did seem like it, when he said, "Oh, my my parents are in the entertainment industry," he would have been like, "Figures," you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, instead, like, I'm not having the eggy bread at the communion. So <laughs> yeah. shove off. So what do you think of Jesus Christ then? Like, he he maybe would have done that, but there's no way that he would have said like. You're not seeing my my kid anymore. I think he would have been much more calm because he's got because he's got regular American ass racism, which is like is is just colorism uh and then mixed with uh years and years of systemic oppression but like he's he's definitely pulling some like he's going old school with the racism Mm -hmm. in ways that i was kind of like surprised by like the the fact that he just keeps trying to see what racial slur sticks at one point Mm -hmm. um is is wild i have a clip from that um but before we play it, um, I also got very distracted when I watched this no. scene. I did. I got distracted because um, Meadow mentions that she just wants to go grab the Bare Naked Ladies CD <laughs> real quick. Yeah. And um, and so, yeah, it was just like one of those things where I just like I wanted to just watch the show, but I just kept thinking about bare naked ladies that's, anyways that's like the uh that's the sopranos version of the godfather uh leave leave the gun take the cannoli it's uh right leave leave the cagney take the bare naked lady cd no i'm just gonna grab the bare naked lady cd and then let's hit the road what's your background Noel? it's noah 
I'm from Los Angeles. West LA. My family's in the business. I make mad films. I mean, show business. Okay, I don't make films. I don't know why they call it the business. Those old Tarzan movies. No, no, what, I, what I mean is just like, we're Italian. Oh, my dad is Jewish and my mother's family is African-American. So we do understand each other here. You're uh, Ditsu. Excuse me? A Moulinian, a uh, charcoal briquette. Uh... Chicken de China, the Chinese chicken. That's your problem. <laughs> you think you know what my problem is? See, I got business associates who are black. And they don't want my son with their daughters, and I don't want their sons with mine. Because I'm all about value. Fuck you. So when my little girl comes down the stairs, you're going to say how nice it was to meet me. Then you're going to go drop her off at school, and you're going to say, Sorry. Burned up by hundreds, I wanted to know it, and we back to pick up my laundry. Later, Dad. Ah, uh, well. <laughs> you know, it's great. They can't all be winners, uh, first of all, but... Uh... How dare you? That one was a winner. <laughs> I honestly I didn't make the connection between fake film buff and the song one week, but it really is all there. Like he is talking about it's all there, dude. Like Kurosawa, he makes mad vil- films, but mm-hmm. they'd have a samurai. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying that. Like, I'm the girl talk of podcasting. So um, your uh, your <laughs> your remix was so good that I. <laughs> I had to log off for a second. It, it yeah, broke the internet just, briefly. Your, your, your girl talk remix. I mean, you know, I'm just, I'm very talented. But uh, in general, I think that scene was kind of, uh, it It led me down the path of believing that that's what this episode was about when I originally yeah. saw it. And uh, I think Instead one of the things. It becomes things, just a small arc. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah, it, they just they they instead of like making it the episode where Tony, I don't know, like does racism and then learns from it or something, uh, they they decide uh, to throw a wrench into it, but with uh, with the uh, the death of his mother, Livia Soprano, um, which yeah. which I, I I appreciated. I think it's interesting that um, he says that he has associates who are black. That he doesn't want his sons and daughters like dating or whatever, but we never see them, those black yeah. people. Yeah. So it's like the equivalent of being like, listen, I have a black friend. I'm not racist. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I remember like what's six weird? episodes ago when I had that conversation with the Reverend guy? Come on. Yeah. You know what's what's weird is they actually brought him back for the funeral yeah. uh in this episode where you see him talking to uh the the Reverend and the assemblyman. Yeah. And it's almost like that's the writers uh, or like David Chase, the creator, being like, see, like, I swear, I can't tell if David Chase is defensive, like agrees with Tony or not in a lot of senses. I mean, I know that he he knows he's writing him racist, but I'm also like they decide the one time to bring the reverend back to be like, see, Tony is. uh, Tony's got yeah. all sorts of friends. And then like Meadow sees him and then it's just like, I guess it's supposed to be like this kind of note of like her recognizing his hypocrisy, but it's right. like, is it like, I don't know. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, th- the idea that somehow she would look at that and then think to herself like, you know what? 
maybe he's not racist. It's like, no, yeah, he's very, very racist. What if so, she's like, I'm going to fuck that old black man. <laughs> I'll show him. I'll show him. So oh. be- before we get to Livia's death, there's first a scene with uh, one of my other favorite characters that they brought back for this one, which is the, the one-legged Russian nurse lady. Uh, What's her name again? I forgot. I was going to wish you had told me so I could look that up. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I forgot too. I just, in, in our show notes, I just kept writing uh, one legged lady. Yeah. Over and over again. I didn't know you're going to put me on the spot. But so, and then so she has discovered that Livia hasn't written in any of the baby books that Carmela yeah. brought for her and uh, is trying to get her to write in them. Um, and then there's uh, the last, like Livia's last scene on the show. And- yeah, which is. Um, interesting because so there's backstory on that which is that livia nancy marchand who plays livia had died like a year before they shot this so uh, yes so they had to like they had to give her send-off on the show but they didn't yeah they had they had to the crow her yeah um and so and cgi really wasn't what it what it is now and so mm -hmm. you really see uh, the seams in the photoshopping that they did there. Oh yeah, and not only that, but they decided to write an entire scene around uh, kind of assorted Livia sayings. Yeah, um, like they they didn't the scene to me. I understand they wanted to do a send off and whatnot, but to me, it is one of the most useless scenes to have uh, in her death episode. Like you actually. You don't need to see her before she dies have a scene where she's just saying random ass shit that they just cut together from previous episodes. It went a l- little too far. I, like, there's one part that uh, that I is such a great Livia line, and Livia in general really reminds me of my grandmother. I don't know if that is, holds true. That's fucked up, dude. For other people, or if it's just, but like, she really is a lot like my grandmother, and. Uh, <laughs> This one, I got a little clip of it. I know it's cobbled together from previous Livia sayings, but I thought at least part of it was pretty solid. Hey, Ma. Look who comes. Well, actually, I'm standing here in front of you. Uh. Hey. <laughs> so, how's it going? What do you care? Out of sight, out of mind. Put some books on tape, uh... Since you say you can't concentrate to read. I wish the Lord would take me now. <laughs> that that line in particular, I don't know why. I feel like I can so imagine my grandma saying that. I wish the like whenever she whenever she complains about anything, it's like, ah, I heard you're not doing so well. Oh, I wish the Lord would take me. Listen, I think tape. no way. I'd rather I think, die. I th- <laughs> I think we can all relate to uh, wishing that the Lord would take us. I don't think there's anything, you know, uh, you know, wrong with that. But um, what was strange to me about it was just that, like, I I almost wanted to go back and rewatch every Livia Soprano scene just so I could find where they took these clips from. Uh-huh. Because I swear I had heard every single one of them in a different episode of the Sopranos and the, the way they just kind of mixed and matched it. Like it literally starts off with Tony shows up at the house and she goes, Oh, look who calls. And he goes, actually, I'm standing right here in front of you. It's like, this is, this is terrible. This is, they didn't, but like Livia's thing to 
guilt you for not doing something while you're in the middle of doing that or more than calling. that? But he's not calling. Yeah, but he's, he's not... there. He doesn't need no, to call because but... he's there in front of her. Right. Right. But she says the words, look who calls. Yeah. It's, that is. Yes. It's weird. That's strange. It's very strange. And it, it felt like that was the only clip they had where yeah, she, but, she was saying something close to what they wanted to. And they're like, just put it in there. And then he'll be like, oh, anyways. Yeah, I mean, but her in the midst of guilting him for not seeing her more while he's in the process of coming to see her. I don't know. It feels very Olivia to me. Yeah, well, personally, I thought it felt uh, really strange and kind of cobbled together. Um, it definitely gets so- strange right around the time where she like waves her hanky at him, and uh, and it's clearly, you know, it's clearly just like it feels like they're doing a prank call with like Olivia, uh, <laughs> Olivia <Yeah>. board. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of which, um, I have uh, another version of this scene that I made with Olivia Board. Oh, no. So, uh... Hey, Ma. You want that lamp? Well, actually, I'm standing here in front of you. Oh, poor you. <laughs> so, how's it going? Kill me now. <laughs> Put some books on tape. Uh, since you say you can't concentrate to read. Kill me now. In the meantime... <laughs> Bought you the uh, horse whisperer and Omerta. These blacks. What are you gonna freak out every time I try to do something nice for you? <laughs> Jesus. Sis. Kill me now. She's going to finish baby now. journals from a long time Kill ago. Me now. My idea. Kill me now. What the fuck? Kill me now. Look at this. You want that lamp? <laughs> Supposed to fill these out. Twenty years. Fat fucking nothing. Oh, poor you. Kamal's <laughs> my return these books to the kids filled with memories. You can't write stuff down from your life for your grandkids? Stab me. Here. Here. <laughs> now, please. Hey, you're too busy feeling sorry for yourself. She will do it. Please. It's good please. for her. She realized please. that. Keep her mind active. Please. Why do anything if there's not something in it for her? The world is a jungle. All right, listen up. I want you to concentrate. I know it's difficult. Remember the airline tickets? Stab me. Did you say that? Or did the Fed say that? What did you tell them when you were in the lockup? Stab me. This is important. They're trying to build a RICO case against me. Stab me. Don't wave your hanky at me. What are you going to say from now on? You want that lamp? <laughs> you know, for a year, I didn't speak to you. Maybe I should have kept it that way. Oh. These blacks. Fuck it. Do what you want. You want that lamp? <laughs> Oh boy! Oh, oh yeah. Well, we have fun. Honestly, it again, dude. <laughs> you know, okay. I'm just saying that would have been a better scene. I feel like they basically just did that. They were like, find all the times that she, in one way or another, is like, please kill me. I want to die. I want to mm-hmm. die. I hate you. Please kill me. Ah! And then they just they just remixed it. Yeah. They they literally they pulled a, another Matt Lieb. I swear. I'm not sure. If I had, you know, much influence on yeah. The Sopranos, being that I was a child, you retroactively but, changed Hitler uh, history. That's like, hit, like if did you, you would say, get, yeah, you changed Hitler, but no, you I changed retroactively Hitler? changed history uh, mm-hmm. instead of instead of Hitler. But whatever. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, it was to me a strange scene, and uh, I didn't care for it. <laughs> so, but from there, you know, we go from that scene to finding out she dies. Uh, mm-hmm. and then, you know, most of the rest of the episode is them, uh, dealing with Livia's funeral and yeah. just the way everybody 
says the same like two or three things, two or three canned phrases. Ah, just wonderful. Yeah, it is. It is wild because it's like uh, they they literally it's it's such a good episode because of the fact that they continue to say the one good thing that they can think of to say about her because Mm -hmm. no one has anything nice to say about her it's not even so much about her it's just like saying something around her yeah it's at least she didn't suffer Mm -hmm. which is an ironic thing to say because it's like i know what they're saying they're saying at least in death she died suddenly and whatnot but the idea that she did not suffer uh, <laughs> is patently ridiculous. Like, like he, like she suffered her entire life. Her entire life was suffering. Mm-hmm. Just every waking moment was awful for her. And the subtext of the episode, like the thing that they never say out loud, which is very obvious from like everything that happens, is that like she didn't want a service because. Like a funeral service is not for the dead person. A funeral service right. is for the living. So this entire episode is like people trying to deal with it, trying to make it about them or deal it with it in such a way that it uh, it does something for them. Because clearly, like it's not about like honoring Livia or her wishes. Like for Janice, it's about her becoming a center of attention, and uh, yeah, and for everybody else, it's about like sucking up to Tony in some way. Yeah, it is like it's a peak Janice episode. Yeah, I will say yeah. this: like Janice in this episode really shines in this way where you know you've seen her do her like kind of manipulative thing uh, before in previous seasons, um, but in this one she is just going full trash mafia, <laughs> like like she's you know her brother's you know head of the new jersey mafia so she is in quote the the mafia in in some aspect but the way she utilizes that power is to um to get people to just do like a bunch of new agey hippie shit and to manipulate people's feelings it's it's like she could she figured out a way to get everyone to subscribe to her soundcloud like her mother's (laughs) death basically um yeah yeah and and, and then before that, there is also, so there's a few things going on. So like Noah Tannenbaum comes in and he accidentally gets Tony onto like a Jimmy Cagney trip where he's like, oh, like yeah. th- despite being incredibly obnoxious and just spouting gibberish, he, he like sparks in Tony a desire to go back and watch these uh, Jimmy Cagney uh, old movies. Um, and yeah. then on the Bose system, yeah, on the Bose Great system, and yeah. then uh, there's like a brief <laughs> sojourn with AJ where he's learning about Robert Frost. And uh, yeah, I, I, I chose this sound clip partly because I like it, but partly because Meadow is doing the exact same type of like bullshit college uh, art criticism that that uh, Noah is teaching her. Um, mm-hmm. so I'll play, I'll play you that clip that's pulling a sleigh. So this is a Thanksgiving poem. Like over the river and through the woods to Grandma's house we go. No, it's not a Thanksgiving poem. What's covering the field? Snow. Yay! And what does snow symbolize? Christmas. Hello. Cold. (laughs) Endless white. Endless nothing. I don't know. Death. I thought black was death. He has miles to go before he sleeps. So he must be far away from his house. The sleep of death, the big sleep. He's talking about his own death, which is yet to come, but will come. 
That's fucked up. <laughs> Gotta go. I thought black was dead. White too. I like that because I don't know, maybe it hits extra home like if you've majored in the arts or the humanities, but I feel like that's such a academic approach to uh like art criticism where it's like, oh, uh obviously like this these colors mean death. And what are the colors? Oh, both white and black symbolize death. So clearly mm-hmm. that's what he was talking about because snow equals white, uh equals death. And uh this poem has like a solution to it and if you didn't get the correct solution you've screwed up somehow yeah it is weird that somehow uh you're allowed to teach uh you're allowed to teach us in school and have the answers um be like factual like it'd be like what does white symbolize then if you were to be like uh well snow it's snow is white and then they'd be like wrong fail you do not understand art (laughs) it's like they're literally treating it like it's a fucking algebra problem right exactly it it just it it is weird that you're able but i think i was taught that exact same lesson in in school like where they were like you know they showed me that exact robert frost poem and they'd be like what does it mean yeah and then if if you were able to just half of high school is just uh pretending to be interested in the things that your teacher is specifically trying to to teach you and is interested in (laughs) yeah i mean that scene i think is why like poetry is mostly dead because kids were taught like oh i have to try to find out what white stands for in the poem uh, yeah yeah and you're like that's not really the point of it or yeah yeah they they turned they they turned literature into just another math class and it ruined it for everyone <laughs> yeah uh so yeah there was that scene um support for this podcast and the following message come from corient corient provides wealth management services centered around you they focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals no matter how complex they may be real wealth requires real solutions for more information connect with a wealth advisor today at corient.com that's c-o-r-i-e-n-t.com corient.com you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And then uh, and then we get to uh, Janice, who originally says that she doesn't want to come and that Livia didn't want a service and uh, manages uh, to make it all about her anyway. Yeah, yeah she's hanging out with her um, like early 20s boyfriend, I guess, who works <laughs> at the same restaurant as her. Who- Dude. That was what about not having days off, which I get. <laughs> yeah, so that was going to be. We can just go into like favorite scene, least favorite scene, because um, that was one of my favorite scenes in this. Is the snippet of conversation of Janice's son? Like the only mm-hmm. his only line. No, that, that's oh, not. That's, just, that's that's her boyfriend. That's her fiance. Oh, is that her boy? That's her fiance. That's her fiance. Okay, well, her fiance's only line is just, and then he goes. You got to work on Columbus Day weekend. <laughs> that is his only line. Is complaining she about goes having up to work and goes, on Columbus Day weekend. Yeah, and then she's like, "Eat your eggs, babe." Th- that <laughs> moment, I remember watching that. I was just like, "Oh man!" Like, I just because like I've known people like Janice Soprano before, where they're able to kind of like uh, latch on to a young, weak boy. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's nice to see a couple where they could both do better. <laughs> like, exactly. Okay. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's especially to know where Janice came from before in the previous season where she's dating uh, Richie April, who she who she murders and to, to know that she like moved back to like Seattle or wherever and uh, and then decided, you know what, I'm going to. I'm going to find a real weak boy. I mean, That's- Janice is kind of like the, is a life lesson like in and of herself because mm-hmm. I mean like most, uh, we've talked about this before, like most of like the dramatic tension of the Sopranos is that Tony is supposed to be this forward thinking nineties man who's like in touch with his feelings and uh, you know, mm-hmm. can have frank conversations with his kids and is open hearted but then his job is telling him that he has to be you know jimmy cagney and like this the idea of men that he grew up with but then you also so like if you just if you thought about it in that way you'd be like wow if he was just a little more progressive he'd be such a better human but then they throw janice into the mix showing that oh you could also take all of those new agey ideas to heart and be just as if not more terrible right yeah it it shows you it's like uh it's it shows that 
whether or not you know you're a traditional like conservative person or like a liberal new agey person that if your heart is dog shit you're going to <laughs> yeah. you're gonna use it for evil yes. like no yeah. matter what the yeah. same way uh you know christians in the antebellum era could use the bible to justify slavery uh the same way that they can do that janice can use these uh eastern philosophies that are all about um, you know, finding uh, like being like purely selfless, she can somehow use those to become the most selfish person in the world. Yeah, she's kind of incredible, and it is funny that her mother dying. Uh, you know, the, there's like this wave of relief that like Tony has that is immediately snuffed out when Janice <laughs> comes back because you realize that Livia's not really dead. That Livia, that Livia just now lives through Janice, and Janice is the new Livia. It's uh, and all of the well, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Janice isn't all bad. She was um, checking the integrity of the basement for free. Yeah, they they really went all out on this episode with Janice, where they were like, you know, the first thing she does is uh, strong arm Tony to uh, pay for uh, half price coach tickets back to New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, she comes back and immediately starts putting on a show, like crying about her mother, who she wasn't even going to go to her fucking funeral. Uh, and then <laughs> she's looking for for buried treasure yeah. in her mother's house. Yeah. Like looking for buried treasure is to me that is like that's the exact personality type of everyone in the mafia. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> it's it's just kind of like how do I how do I put like the least amount of effort into something and then just immediately become a millionaire and it's like i'll just dig a bunch of holes in my mother's house because i know she yeah. has buried treasure there like anything not to work is 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 everyone who is in the mafia and mafia jason apparently yeah i mean that would totally be olivia thing you know she's got a, a bunch of family members that are in an all-cash business and she probably doesn't trust banks very much so she probably would have treasure stashed around her house but mm -hmm. like in the same the, the beauty of that whole storyline is like tony's initial thought is that because his mom is dead all his problems are solved now but like right a lot of the times when a parent dies all of like the potential and all of the potential sibling rivalries that are like like waiting under the surface, they come to the fore because now you actually have to divide up the stuff and yeah. just decide who who is deserving of which parts of your parents' legacy. Yeah, I was just thinking about this. Um, what do you think? What do you think Janice's credit score is? <laughs> It's probably uh, terrible. Impeccable. <laughs> so good. I mean, I just can't imagine it's very. And she just seems like someone she who is. Uh, she's got. She's in a lot of debt, and I don't know. I don't know to who, but it does seem like she. She just feels like someone who has a very low credit score. Anyways, yeah. um, Tony definitely loses uh, any relief that he had early on with the death of his mother in realizing that like she's not she's not really dead because not only does she live through janice but the entire eulogy section uh sequence in the episode you realize that everyone in that room in one form or another has had their life 
made so much harder because of Livia, and that continues to this day. It was like mm-hmm. the idea that they they all live with the scars of Livia Soprano, and they have to sit there while Janice, one of the most scarred up people of all, is pretending like you know anyone gives a shit to like say something nice about her, you know. And the yeah, yeah the other thing that's happening in that entire sequence is you know it starts uh it starts early on like when tony first finds out and he's just like hey what are you gonna do and then like (laughs) and then of course every person that uh they that finds out about the death after that says either what are you gonna do or uh at least she didn't suffer and uh the the greatest scene is just tony watching like his supposedly progressive-minded daughter who is like the uh she's she's basically the culmination of everything that they've been trying to do you know they're trying to uh infiltrate this society and become part of like the power structure and they and right and their example yeah, is this, very much like roseanne this this show actually when I think about <laughs> yeah, it. yeah and so they and they, they, they <laughs> saved and they sent their daughter off to columbia and then she comes back and she immediately starts saying the same shit that everybody else is saying is uh, uh what mm-hmm. are you gonna do oh at least she didn't suffer and tony's yeah. like look she's becoming a pod person just like everyone else yeah I like yeah. our kids are like, sorry about your mom, dad. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that old lady who used to come here and yell at us. Yeah. To me, the entire eulogy scene, you know, only, I think it's only the last 20, 15 minutes of the episode, but it is, uh, it immediately like catapults it into like probably top three best episodes of Sopranos yeah. of all time. It's a comedy. <laughs> yeah. It's and that's a really funny scene. Uh, uh, that's the thing about the show in general is that like I I almost exclusively judge it on its uh on how funny it is. Uh yeah. which, which is probably one of the reasons why people who really love the Sopranos um and listen to this podcast are like why do you hate Sopranos so much? And it's like, well, cuz sometimes it's, sometimes it's not that funny. Sometimes yeah. it's like it's mm-hmm. kind of dramatic and good, but uh, I judge it by its funniest moments. That's also, just, yeah. you know, it's a, it's me. serialized television. Like the ultimate review of any serialized television show is like, did you keep watching? That doesn't mean you're going to love every individual episode. Yeah. My response is, what are you going to do about it? You know? <laughs> yeah. It's a good, <laughs> it's a good response. Hey, so, at least you didn't yeah. suffer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, and then the eulogy sequence uh, comes to my other favorite scene, which was just fantastic which i have a clip of which is you know christopher has been getting stoned and doing lines with uh silvio the entire time and 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 uh and janice is like hectoring everyone into into speaking at her weird uh you know remembrances of livia party yeah Uh, and then christopher finally gets the mic and uh, i got a clip of that they say There's no two people on earth exactly the same. No two faces, no two sets of fingerprints. But do they know that for sure? Because they would have to get everybody together in one huge space. (laughs) And obviously that's not possible, even with computers. Even with computers. (laughs) But not only that, they'd have to get all the people who ever lived, not just the ones now, so they got no proof. They got nothing. 
<laughs> it sounds like I'm talking about seeing my bloody Valentine. <laughs> I like how he just goes off on a tangent where he starts out talking about how she's probably, you know, she's not as one of a kind. Maybe we haven't actually lost uh, Olivia. She's still around. And then it gets into like he's talking to the police where he's like, you got no proof that everybody's yeah, right. are different. Yeah. yeah, all of a sudden in his mind reverts to him being interrogated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watched this episode twice, and for some reason the first time and the second time I didn't realize what like a driving force Janice is. Yeah. And the first time I didn't connect the fact that Chris was talking out of his ass because he was stoned, because, like, what weed lasts that long? Like, <laughs> yeah. to get high and then go to a funeral and then, like, get back and then still be, like, so zonked <laughs> is so funny to me. Like, yeah. I wanted Furio to talk, actually, too. I want to see high Furio. Like, that was- Yeah. Well, Furio has one of my favorite lines in the episode where he just randomly brings up Survivor, and he's like, you know what we should do? We should go to the winner and say, you're not going to survive this if you don't give me some of that money and it's like that's that's his high thought his high thought is like how can we do extortion on reality show winners that's good writing do you think the water cooler in 2001 people were just like this is excellent this is prestige television yeah exactly yeah i mean that's the thing prestige television in general is like kind of it's almost like this was like this this was the first prestige television show, and then yeah. you kind of like look back on it, and you're just like, yeah, there's High Furio talking about extorting Survivor winners and shit, and you're like, dude, this is this is art. What can you yeah. say other than this is art? It's um, true. I mean, it is literally when it, when people win the lottery, you just they they get they die. <laughs> like, yeah, and this is why it's it's people like Furio. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's got to be someone out there who's extorting people who win shit. And I'm yeah. glad it's someone as sweet as Furio because, uh, you know, he's just a good guy. He's a solid, solid man. Um, I definitely think there should have been like a Furio attempt at a funeral speech because that feels like it would have been high comedy. Yeah, no, that would have been good. But I thought I, I, they, I thought they did a good job with like uh, just kind of like the mix of all the people who are speaking. Um, my favorite other than Hesh, who uh, just all he says is uh, she didn't mince words, mm-hmm. w- which is uh, damn. That is that is a good eulogy. Um, my my favorite was uh, Fanny, who was the old lady sitting in a wheelchair, uh, <laughs> who no one's ever seen before, uh-huh. and says she was my best friend. Whenever someone uh, would die. She would tell me, right? Yeah. Which, which only you'd have to not really know her at all to to think that that is something that she's doing out of friendship, and not something <laughs> no, that I, she's doing because she's a sick fuck. Well, that's another thing I mean, that very much reminded me of my grandmother, where it's like yeah. they can only start conversations by telling you like who's dead or who's suffering. It's oh, like they're just grandmas so... love to tell you who's dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Louise. No, my, my my parents, my mom specifically actually is uh, is always telling me who's dead or who's in jail. It's kind of a, it's just a running thing. It's just like, I you mean, know, I, I want to know who's in jail. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, uh, my, my neighbor got into a relationship with a 13 year old girl and he's in jail oh. now. Oh, yikes. 
Yeah. Um, and uh, who who's dead? Well, it's like who's dead, and then because um, like a few people have died, you know, this year. But it was like uh, it's also who's dying. Like we have a family friend who I think has been dying for ten years. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's just like I, I come home, you know, hey mom, and it'd be like, uh, you should really write a letter to you know such and such a person. <laughs> you know, they're not going to be around much longer. It's like this is. <laughs> I should probably write an email then. Yeah, right. <laughs> I should probably send a text. Um, They're always telling you who's about to die, and it's like, hey, grandma, like your 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 decrepitude is enough of a painful reminder of my own mortality without you right, constantly exactly. bringing up actual people dying. Yeah, yeah. But Olivia's obsession with the deaths of other people, I think, was less about. I think it was just it was more sinister. It was it was. Um, it, it was an obsession with her, but I think it was also, uh, I think when mo- most people do it, there's like a little bit of just like, and that's the news. I'm old, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, like that's, you want to know what I've been doing? I've been, you know, seeing who's dying. Did it's it, like did, that, did, 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 did. <laughs> the ticker at the bottom just has yeah. all the names, but like, I was talking on the landline earlier today and this is who's out. <laughs> Back to you in the studio. I'm about to die too. Um, but like, uh, I think with Livia, it comes from uh, a place of wanting the other person who she's telling uh, about the death to feel as miserable as she does. Like, it's not. It's not like it's. It, it has everything to do with her trying to like misery loves company people. Yeah, and it's like they need, She needs other people to prove their worth. By yeah. suffering when they're around her to prove that they care, right? Because even even when someone it hasn't just died, she'll just randomly tell you about some people who died in the newspaper. <laughs> yeah, she'll right. be like, "There was a, there was a car crash," and you know, she'll talk about how Did everyone you hear about this knockout game that they're playing. <laughs> Everyone's eating Tide Pods and dying. They burn in their throats. <laughs> I don't know why my Livia's Jewish, but I'm doing it. Um. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, um, uh, I I think if we get to the p- part of this podcast where we talk about our f- favorite and least favorite scene, um, I I I have to go back to Janice mm-hmm. because it's easy to say that my favorite scene is the entire eulogy scene, right? Like yeah. that is that's great. Um, but I think for me, my favorite scene other than that is when Janice decides to strong arm uh, the one-legged caretaker, uh, whose name I forget, um, over her mother's records. Uh, Because Janice is, like I said before, she's like, she's just the trashiest mafioso who ever lived. You know, she's like, she uses her um what what she's seen in her family for years and years which is like intimidation i think it's more like the pettiest mafia so yeah 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 so (laughs) i i actually i have a i have a clip of Mm -hmm. uh petty janice my mom had this kind of extensive record collection caruso robert merrill shitload of broadway shows many of them were in mint condition do you know where they are she gave to me those records I feel I have to respect her wishes. Oh, come on. This is just about you bogarting those discs for your ass. They're worth a fortune to the right collector. I will not answer such you. I want the entire discography back at the house by this weekend. 
yeah, it goes on for a while. Yeah, that's the Godfather played by a bad recorder. Um, yeah, there's there's just like the idea that that Livia gave her those records. I love the um, uh, Russian syntax too. She gives to oh, me yeah. as gifts those records. Yeah, yeah, she. I will not discuss here. <laughs> she was very generous woman. Yeah, very generous. No, it, it's like the the idea that Janice can't see past the her own uh her own weird obsession with uh profiting off of her family. Th- mm-hmm. That she's like, oh come on, we both know the reason you want those records is for the money. Like, yeah, yeah. as if the mint condition musical theater records are somehow. <laughs> like collector's items that are going to, you know, make her thousands of dollars is, is wild. And just, uh, yeah. And it's that it's, it's the moments where she chooses to, um, strong arm people that to me are the funniest. And also kind of where you have the most insight into who Janice is on the inside, which is not just like petty, but also stupid as shit. And, uh, it oh, is, it's wonderful. It's also like a super Italian thing to use as your Trump card. Uh, the idea that you're not going to go to one of your family members funerals. Uh, and I've, yeah. seen, I've seen that play out. At many of my family members' funerals. Were really? Like, oh, my God. Can you believe that Uncle Ernie didn't come? And it's like, oh, it's because he was pissed about, you know, he was pissed about something that was as petty as, like, not getting someone's records because, you know, they gave them away yeah. to the maid. I've, I've seen that play out, you know, with at least, like, three or four different family members. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I've I've got some some people uh, who have a lot of spite in, in, the, <laughs> in the Lieb family. Yeah. But... Uh, not going, not going to a funeral. I'm trying to think if uh, if that is is there. Maybe I don't know. All of my uh, my my aunts uh, and uncles in uh, in Boston are kind of like that, I guess. But uh, anyways, it is uh, Boston is a very spiteful it, place. I think in general. Oh sure, sure, yeah, spiteful. It's famous for spite, <laughs> racism, and spite. Um, yeah. Uh, the episode ends with uh, Tony sitting and watching the rest of Public Enemy with uh, James Cagney. So this is and, uh, this yeah. is the second time that we've seen the scene where he shoves the uh, grapefruit in the lady's face. Correct? I I I thought so because I, it's also I, in the Junior Pussy Eating episode, which they like call back to at the end when he smashes a pie into his. Uh, Oh, that's right. Kind of like his victim's face. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And because uh, that's right, I was watching and I was re- I was waiting for that moment where he's like, "Did you warble my little wren?" And I was like, "That was from the that's from the Eaten Pussy episode." Yeah, what a great. Also, episode. it's pretty crazy that Jimmy Cagney like played like this Irish guy who looks like he's about five foot four is playing yep. like, the Italian tough who like whacks people in the nose. He's like, come on, fella, aren't you going to pay up? You better 23 skidoo right now, you see? Yeah. Yeah. It, old gangster films, uh, if you've ever watched any, you'll know that they suck. And it's <laughs> yeah. weird yeah. that that people watch them. Uh, and, and it makes me wonder if, if our old gangster films will age out in some way like at some point is is the godfather gonna be bad i don't i don't know Um, i mean maybe maybe um has anyone seen four brothers recently or or (laughs) no like i don't know how ours stack up at all (laughs) that's true i now i think about it um i remember 
that Boondock Saints was a good movie until I rewatched <laughs> wow. it. Man, you were definitely I mean, a stone college kid at one point in your life. Dude, Boondock Saints was like a genius movie if you like really detested movies and <laughs> and only understood like if something was cool. So it was a movie that I was like, this is cool. And, uh, you know, it finally was bef- it gets me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Finally, <laughs> finally a movie that understands me. Uh, yeah, yeah. Before Fight Club, that that was all people had was that. Yeah, movie. <laughs> exactly. Fight Club was the first one that where it was like uh, where we could relate to a larger swath of the people because of the fact that like Boondock Saints wasn't I don't know if it was really widely loved. I think it was just kind of like Stone College Kids and whatnot, but Fight Club, it was like, bruh, let's all start fight clubs. Like, yeah. and I got to say to and this we day, did. We, we did. Now, now MMA is a big thing. I got to say Fight Club has to do with that probably, you know, a lot, yeah. I would say. What sure. do you What do you think, Vince? <laughs> no, did I think you, it was Bloodsport, you know, invented the Kumite. The fuck are you talking about? I know what Bloodsport is, but what's Kumite? That's the tournament that they go to in Bloodsport. Yeah, it's when you fight to the death. Yeah. Oh shit, that's wild. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'll be honest. I've never seen that movie. You'd know that if you ever killed a man with your fists, Matt. <laughs> I've never, I've never done it. I did, I did just see uh, the Sylvester Stallone arm wrestling movie oh, over yeah, the over top. Over the top. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Very. That s- one ruled. Solid flick. My favorite thing about that is that his name is his last name's Hawk, and there's yeah. this big drama about his son not Mike? taking his last name and his son's name is Mike. And they never point out the fact that if he takes his dad's name, he'd be Mike Hawk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that makes sense though, that he wouldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then his name would be Mike cock, you know? Yeah. 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 No. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I get jokes, mm-hmm. dude. Yeah. I get um, we got, we, we got them. You get them. What, uh, Brody, did you have like a, a, a favorite scene or a least favorite scene in this? Um, you know, definitely when Chris and Fury are taking bong hits for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, what else did I like? Um, uh, basically, I mean, my favorite scene was definitely just the the ending scene where mm-hmm. people just have nothing nice to say. I remember the first time I watched it, I was just like, man, if I was in this room, I could save this energy. <laughs> <laughs> I could make up some bullshit on the spot about some woman I never knew. Yeah. Um, but and then my 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 favorite shot is like the one lady on the couch who you've never seen before, and she's just like, "I've got something to say." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she just says, you know, she didn't suffer. Um, yeah. Oh, that, that is. Was, and for that we can be thankful. Yeah, the that. whole thing is just so. Oh, actually, you know what? I did like. Um, what's his name's character who had the restaurant burned down? Oh, Artie. I, yeah. Yeah, I like how they tease Artie. Of just like really having a breakdown, and he's like throwing trash uh, around <laughs> yeah. in the backyard, and then it's just like, oh, I got something to say. And then he <laughs> walks into the room, and he's just like, you know what, everybody? And then Carmela's just like, all right, this sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a comedy that shit. No, it was pretty great, especially since like I want to know what Artie's plan was. You know, because it yeah. seemed like his plan was to be like, I have a memory. One time she told me that Tony burned down my store. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then uh, 
so uh, people who uh, work for television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, the mafia. I'll see you later. Yeah. <laughs> like, just seemed like a bad, not thought out plan, you know. But uh, yeah, uh, it ends with uh, Tony watching uh, Public Enemy. What is he watching? Some. Yeah. Yeah, James Cagney's character dies, and uh, meanwhile, the mother is oblivious and uh, singing as she's making the bed for him, and then Tony cries, uh, which is uh, cute because you're like, uh, oh, yeah, I get it because, uh, you know, his mother, because his mother, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Because his mother is, is was not nice. Yep. And she saw a nice, he saw a nice mother and was like, oh, man, that wish sucks. I, wish I had a mom like that. Wish I had a cool mom. Uh, and then it ends and you're like, sick episode. I In general, it, it is it is definitely one of my favorites. Um, yeah, I think, real that, quick, so I think that one's my top episode thus far. It's pretty fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah. For sure. Uh, real quick uh, in terms of... So who is the real gangster of this episode? Um, I would say two things. I think it's uh, number one, racism. And uh, uh, number, yeah. number two, Livia Soprano. Number three, suffering and putting on airs. So Uh, there's a few. There's a few. uh, Yeah. In terms of uh, it's the 90s. What are all the 90s references? I think the real gangsta is generational trauma. Ooh. Yeah. Fuck. That's good. Yeah. You should have should have said that earlier dude that's perfect. (laughs) You would have saved me from saying all the dumb ones. Uh, the two 90s references were Furio's uh, Survivor Pitch and Bare Naked Ladies. And um, our Gabba Fangul is uh, in which we go through Italian slang. Uh, our two racial slurs, mm-hmm. um, Ditsun and mm-hmm. Moulignan, uh-huh. yeah. uh, uh-huh. both of which um, you usually, Brody, we have like uh, there's a YouTube channel. This guy, Stevie B., who uh-huh. uh, breaks down all like Italian slang? Yeah, uh, he couldn't find he, one for these. <laughs> apparently, he does not do racial slurs. Yeah, no, Stevie, so. D, Stevie B is way too positive for that. Stevie B, uh, it, it takes all kinds. Uh, yeah. Ditsun, uh, he basically translates it in the episode where he says, "You know, charcoal briquette." Uh, is that what Ditsun is? Yeah, it's some sort uh, of it's some sort so of word. not a. Car by Nissan. The Nissan Ditsun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I forget what exactly it means. Something like charcoal. And then Moulignon is weird because supposedly it's a bastardization of melanzane, which means uh, eggplant. But uh, Moulignon oh, right. does not sound that much like melanzane to me. Yeah. But, uh, you know. It sounds it's- like uh, mulatto. But it sounds like mulatto with onions. <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah. Sounds delicious. Yeah. That's for sure. Muffalata. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, with all Italian American slang, it's always like gabagool is capicola and you're like, why? Yeah. You know, you just you just roll with it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So all in all, I would say a uh, great episode. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, I feel like you know, I, I feel like people should email us and uh, let me know how much they enjoy um, all my remixes. <laughs> they they take a really long time. And, um, you know, I have to get positive feedback uh, or else I'll, I just won't do them. Yeah, and, sure. um, you know, Definitely if I like saw the very naked ladies one, that was tough. <laughs> yeah, that, that one was, really worked well. <laughs> you know, I that took so long uh, at one point, like I. uh 
I it was supposed to make dinner and uh, I was like, I'm sorry, I forgot. I was in the middle of remixing this episode of Sopranos with one week and uh, <laughs> my girlfriend got mad. Anyways, um, Brody, thank you uh, so much for, for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, boys. Yeah. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? Or You can find me at AO Bro Bro. You can listen mm-hmm. to The Male Gaze, a podcast for sensitive men talk about current events and have women guests on and then you can listen to the dark weeb where me and my friend cody um basically talk about anime and video games <laughs> every <laughs> once in a while <laughs> Sick. so check it out available where all podcasts are sold or given away for free uh broadcast at gmail.com uh email us any questions comments concerns or corrections if you uh want to tell me i said something wrong or uh, didn't get a fact right uh i will say we did go through this whole episode and not learn what uh the one-legged lady's name Some, was someone tried to correct us about the uh peter gunn theme from last week and i'm pretty sure that i said it was written by henry mancini which is a thing that you remember oh you definitely did you would remember because your name is man yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. anyway yeah so yeah correct us but you know be right on your corrections that's all yeah and if you correct us and you're wrong we will correct your corrections uh vince what is the google voice number 415-275-0030 patreon.com slash frogcasts for all of the uh, bonus episodes of the other podcasts we do in which we just talk about movies. Oh, um, also, and this is, uh, this is a pot yourself a gun alert. That's a thing I just made up. Uh, we now have uh pot yourself a gun uh, shirts and merch and shit uh, over on the uh, teespring store uh teespring.com slash store slash broadcast that's where you get all the broadcast stuff but you can also get pod yourself a gun stuff so check that out and we'll put a link somewhere for you to do that anyways uh guys this was a great episode thank you all so much and until next time don't stop believing Stop. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.